They say if you love someone, let them go. And if they come back to you, it was meant to be. Unfortunately, while that may apply to some complicated relationships, it doesn't apply to life in our ocean. If we let all of these diverse species go, they are most certainly not coming back. Since 1970, the population of oceanic sharks has dropped by 71%, with many species facing extinction. A troubling statistic that could lead to devastating consequences. I wanted to learn more about shark endangerment and what would happen if shark species were to go extinct. So I found a researcher in California to help me understand what we're dealing with. So my name is April Boyle. I'm a marine and environmental researcher who specializes in sharks. My org is El Porto Shark. Mission is ocean and shark conservation through research, education, and action. April has a deep connection with the ocean, living by the sea and surfing its waves most all of her life. And we talked about why sharks are so important to the food web and even to the environment we all share. Believe it or not, sharks in a way actually help make sure there's enough oxygen on Earth. Some of you shark haters out there might be thinking, eh, who cares? I don't like sharks that much anyway. And the ocean will be much safer without all of them around. All right, first off, shark-hating straw man I made up for this argument. There were only 57 unprovoked shark attacks in 2020, according to the Florida Museum of Natural History. Shark attacks are incredibly rare compared to the fear around them, and the oceans will be a much worse place without sharks. In fact, that almost happened about 19 million years ago. A recent study from a Yale researcher found that a mysterious event killed off about 70% of the sharks on Earth, according to fossil records. Sharks are a keystone species in the ocean's food web. They help regulate the species they prey on, which in turn actually helps maintain their habitat. So how do sharks affect underwater plant life? I'll let April explain. If you remove that piece out of the food web, you collapse that ecosystem. So you have a shark, you have the middle feeders, and then you have smaller fish, and then the coral algae, etc. right? So you take the shark out, the middle fish that it ate, well, there's way more of those now, right? So they're now eating all the first level fish. Nah, who cares, right? We'll just have more tuna in the ocean and sushi chefs everywhere will be very, very happy. There'd be more tuna and less of what the tuna ate. But then now there's not going to be enough tuna because they ate all the small fish. So they're dying off. How about another example from real life? April said it didn't work out when folks over at Yellowstone Park tried to remove another apex predator, wolves. Things went downhill pretty quick. Years ago, they removed the wolves from Yellowstone, you know, because, oh, they're scary, etc. So your elk populations grew unchecked ate so much of the landscape that even the ground became unstable in certain areas. So it completely changed how everything looked and there was no more food for the elk. So what they did, reintroduced them and guess what? The ecosystem's healing. Well, you can't do that with a shark because white sharks, for example, you kill all of them. You can't raise them in captivity to release them. You can't transport them. You can't move one from Australia and decide that it needs to be in a different part. So that's where the problem lies. Okay, okay, but if the small fish die off, then there's more of the algae they used to eat. And that's good, I guess. Uh, everything works out well. And all the small fish are gone, then it, the algae overgrows the reef, that kills everything under that, and then you have the wrong amount of oxygen level in the water because all that's taking it up, it's dying, etc. So that 
little micro scale, you can put it out macro scale to the whole ocean. Yeah, I bet you forgot that at least half of the oxygen produced on Earth comes from the ocean, mostly from oceanic plankton, which sit towards the bottom of the food web, and marine animals and plants need that oxygen to survive. We all should be concerned because quite honestly, wherever you live, ocean health is important, right? The ocean regulates our climate all over the planet. When that's off balance, it shifts our climate. But we have to take care of it. You know, if you live in Montana, you're st you're, most of your oxygen's still coming from the ocean. And you have to protect those keystone species like orca sharks, the big predators, or else the entire system collapses. Oh, and uh, oxygen is consumed when plants and animals die off and decay. Uh, you know who's really good at cleaning up animal corpses underwater? Sharks. They love themselves a good corpse meal. So you take sharks out of the equation and you end up with literal dead zones in the ocean where life cannot be sustained. We have a lot of things happening at NBC10 Boston. One series you should definitely check out is Restaurants Remade, an original series that shows how restaurants across the region updated their age-old business model and adapted to the new normal during the coronavirus crisis. Catch it on the NBC10 Boston channels on Roku and Apple TV, or search Restaurants Remade on NBC10Boston.com. So we don't want sharks dying off for the health of our planet. But I'm going to add another reason to the pile. Business. Sharks play a vital role in countries' economies. For example, Trinidad and Tobago has a dish called shark and bake. And I was talking to families who'd been there for hundreds of years and telling me that even now that's not even real shark because they're losing sharks there. Of course, as a very dedicated vegan, April would prefer people not eat animals, but she understands there are a lot of different people in the world who use sharks as a major source of sustenance. Outside of the issue of shark fin soup consumption, which is banned in some places, shark oil is also used in many cosmetics, lipstick, deodorants, and even sunscreen, but that kind of use is also a gray area. Tourism in many areas would take a huge hit if sharks disappeared because sharks are a big attraction for many visitors. Oceana did make a study a few years ago, specifically in the Florida dive industry, and saw that sharks brought a significant amount to their local economy, not killing them, but people coming to dive travel to snorkel, scuba, etc., and sea sharks. So there are many cases where we can show that sharks are worth more alive than they are if you kill them. Unfortunately, and this is going to come as no surprise, humans are to blame for sharks' rapidly decreasing numbers over the decades. Look in the mirror. We are. Human beings, unfortunately, are the greatest danger to sharks. April said that much of the danger facing sharks comes from fishing, including being bycatch of large fishing boats, which leads to death even if they are released. They bring up things, and by the time the shark comes up, it's caught in the net, and maybe they do release it, but it's already dead. The study that I'm quoting that they had 60% of bycatch, in that almost all of them came up dead or almost dying, and even if you do get it back in the water after being distressed for a certain amount of time, it doesn't work. In addition to a lot of that, there'll be the illegal fin trade where they'll bring those up cut the fins off, throw them back, and alive or dead, they're still not going to survive. 
And the worst of it is that sharks are not fast breeders, and they are being killed off faster than they can be replaced. For many shark species, it can be over a decade before they are mature enough to create offspring. You go out, you kill that white shark. That shark is of breeding age, right? Sharks take a long time to mature, then they have a really long gestation period. And when I'm saying shark right now, we're all picturing the one I'm talking about, right? We're talking about big white sharks, the big sharks that we're all afraid of. So whites, tigers, those, we kill those big, sexually mature, reproductively able sharks. You're not just killing that one shark, you're killing more generations. And that's the problem. Female sharks don't really have huge litters even when they do give birth, which isn't often. The female, for a white shark, maybe once every two years, she will have baby sharks. And at that, those don't all survive. The thing that many people don't realize about sharks, whether it's one who lays eggs or one who has, you know, they're born alive. Once the baby's born, there's no mommy shark. You know, the song is cute and all, but mommy shark doesn't hang out. You know, daddy shark, they're born with, whether they're an egg or they're hatched out and gone, Mommy doesn't come back ever for baby shark. Baby shark's always on its own. So they're very vulnerable at that time as well. April grew up in the ocean, surfing the waves, loving the waters, and all of the life that lives within it. So preserving this safe haven is personal. So on a personal level, the ocean is the only place I've ever felt at home because I grew up the multi-ethnic stepkids, so kind of shuffled around. So the ocean was always where my home was and I felt safe. You know, you look down and there's, you know, some feather boa kelp kind of floating by, little stingrays. There's some leopard sharks over here and there's, you know, little schools of fish that they're eating. It's really nice and it's beautiful and it's peaceful and it's a great place to be just kind of sitting there bobbing on your board waiting for the next set whether or not you get anything sometimes it just doesn't matter surfers want to preserve that so what can you do you the listener listening intently or half listening to this podcast while answering emails how can you help preserve these important predatory fish since fishing is a major factor in the endangerment of shark species, supporting conservation efforts and encouraging good public policy can make a huge difference. And maybe eating a bit less fish. Just make smarter choices about what you eat. So stop eating fish every day. You know, if you are someone who maybe eats fish twice a month, you can start cutting down. That will help. Decreasing the demand overall and then demanding best practices. You know, we don't have to take every little thing out of the ocean. We can eat other stuff. And you can help the overall health of the ocean, which is never a bad thing, by moving away from disposable products. Honestly, what you can do just in your own everyday life for the sharks, the entire ocean, everything, is just make wise choices about what you consume. And don't just buy paper, plastic, single-use everything. Single-use items are really a huge threat to the entire ocean. There is a lot to be done, but it is not all doom and gloom. There are steps that can be taken to try and reverse the damage we've done to shark populations. We've seen it right here in New England, with white shark populations rising once again after legislation designated them a protected species. And organizations like the Atlantic White Shark Conservancy are working hard to keep the public informed about sharks and their place in the ocean. 
So let's try and hold on to the things we love, and even if you don't care for sharks, the things you don't love, because some things are just too precious for our world to lose. Thank you for listening to Shark Tales, a podcast created in partnership with the Atlantic White Shark Conservancy. You can find deep dives with shark researchers on all kinds of shark topics in seasons one and two. Find them on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts.